Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to this episode of the Michelle Tafoya Podcast, sponsored by Genucel. We love them. We use them. We thank them for their sponsorship. This is an incredible episode about who has the right to make decisions about your body. Now, I know some people will immediately go, yeah, pro-choice, pro-choice. Where else does pro-choice extend? Are vaccine mandates legal? There's a case against Nike that suggests you can't fire people because they wouldn't get the vaccine. This is a deep, interesting, scary, horrifying, hopeful episode. Stay tuned. Now, it's time for some sanity. It's the Michelle Tafoya Podcast. Well, Leslie Manukian had an MBA. She was working successfully on Wall Street when something changed her life. She'll tell you that story. She is now a, an award-winning documentary filmmaker. She is a credentialed homeopathic healer, and she has an amazing background. And now she's defending your personal health and your freedom and she's going to tell you all about this in the context of a lawsuit against Nike that is still underway. Leslie Manukian is our guest. She's the president and founder of Health Freedom Defense Fund. You're going to want to know all about it. This is this this one covers the gamut. Uh, so stay tuned. First, I want to ask you: Are you one of the millions of American men and women of any age dealing with premature hair thinning and hair loss? happens to the best of us, or maybe you're scared about inheriting that thinning look because it runs in the family, right? Finally, there's a real solution that delivers on its promise without the harsh side effects, without the unwanted chemicals, and without the unpleasant smells. Thanks to our friends that develop Genucel skincare, Provia uses a safe natural ingredient, Procapil, remember that name, Procapil, to effectively target the three main causes of premature hair thinning and loss. By supporting healthy scalp circulation, the delivery of nourishing nutrients, and healthy hair follicle anchoring to your scalp, Provia guarantees more hair on your head than in the shower or in your comb. It's effective for men and women of any age, safe on colored, treated, and styled hair, and it's really just that easy. And right now, new customers save over 50% off Provia's introductory package at proviahair.com slash Michelle, P-R-O-V-I-A hair.com slash Michelle. Every package includes a full 60-day supply of Provia serum for daily use, plus Provia 30 Super Concentrate for faster, more noticeable results. Provia works. It's guaranteed or 100% of your money back. See results for yourself now. Don't wait. Why would you? Proviahair.com slash Michelle. P-R-O-V-I-A hair.com slash Michelle with one L. Proviahair.com slash M-I-C-H-E-L-E. Leslie Manukian 
is a name you're going to be hearing more about. By the way, she's responsible for one of the greatest court cases and results in the last few years. We'll tell you about it next. Leslie Manukian, welcome. It's so great to talk to you. There's so much I want to get to because you've been involved in so many important cases. Uh, but I first want to get to why you found yourself fighting for these things, because you, you were one time, you know, you've got an MBA, you were at Goldman Sachs, you were doing the thing. What changed? Well, there were a few things, but there was a really critical moment for me. And that is when um, I was working at Alliance Capital in London. That was one of my clients when I worked at Goldman Sachs. And I was responsible for um, deciding which European stocks we would put into our um, big portfolios, our European, international and global portfolios. And that meant that I got to meet the CEOs and management teams of multinational corporations to decide which were the, the proper candidates for our portfolios. And we owned about a billion dollars of the stock of one of the biggest pharmaceutical companies in the world. And the stock was getting crushed because the um, their new blockbuster drug was on phase three trials and rumors were trickling out of the trials that people were dying. Okay. So the CEO, the CFO, the head of investor relations, um, the head of R&D, they all came into our office and they were basically going around and reassuring major shareholders. So they came into our office and they said, you know, listen, okay, so a few people have died. It's very, very rare. <laughs> Sounds familiar, right? <laughs> so it's yeah. very, very rare. And then he literally looked me in the eye and he said, listen, the bad news is the FDA is going to make us put a black box warning on the packaging. The good news is we still think we can do $7 billion in peak sales. That was my reaction. I was, I mean, I felt like someone had kicked me in the stomach. I just, I couldn't believe it. I thought, oh my gosh, they're going to kill people and they know it and that's okay with them. I, I was just aghast. And it was one of those critical moments, you know, a turning point in my life where I thought, okay, I have all this education and experience and, and skills. And I think I'm playing for the wrong team. Wow. And I decided that I was going to get out. And so I sort of started planning my exit over the next couple of years. And I ended up getting pregnant and I resigned not longer after, after my son was born because I just felt like I was playing for the wrong side. And that, so I literally quit and decided that I was going to give the rest of my life to making a difference, um, trying to make things better for people rather than being part of what I thought was a problem. That is remarkable. I, I that to to have a CEO tell you this, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's going to happen. But uh, so we got to put this marker on the box, but we're still going to make billions of dollars is a God, it's got to be almost out of body like experience, like you're living in a movie scene. That sounds like a movie scene to me, like a bad part of a movie where but clearly this impacted you. So what did you do next? Yeah, so. Well, I mean, after the, the meeting, I went into my office and I paced back and forth because I couldn't believe what I had just heard. I was so upset. And I thought, I went to our pharmaceutical analyst office and I'm like, this is wrong. And she said, yeah, I know. And looked at me like, you know, what do you want me to do about it, lady? And I mean, it was just, that's the way that it works on Wall Street. And I guess because I'd had this front row seat, I really understood the way that the game was played in a way that most people didn't. And I um, ended up planning my exit left. And um, during those years, I actually was really struggling with my health. And I went, kept going to the doctor and he finally said, I know you're sick. You know, you're sick. You should go and see a 
homeopaths. And homeopathy is very, very prominent in Britain. Um, it's under attack there as well, like it is in the U.S. now. But it was, I mean, there are still homeopathic hospitals in Britain that you can take your children to. And there used to be 20 homeopathic hospitals in the United States in the early part of the 20th century until some coordinated actors literally drove them out of business. But I went and saw a homeop um, homeopath and I found it so profound. I ended up enrolling in homeopathy college in secret. What was What was so profound about it? Because it was all about how your mental and emotional, um, you know, orientation affects your physicality and how they are intertwined, inextricably intertwined and how basically our health, we cannot separate our physical health from our mental, emotional and spiritual health. And it just resonated so deeply, Michelle. I thought, Oh my gosh, this really makes sense to me and I'm going to go and explore it. And so, I went and started looking into it and I thought, oh my gosh, this is so powerful. And I had profound, you know, I would take this little pill that, um, you know, some people in mainstream science would tell you means nothing, that it's, it's a placebo and it would have a profound impact on me. And I also used it on my son and I saw things that were nothing short of miraculous. And I just thought, I've, you know, I've got to explore this further. And what ended up happening was I, listen to orientation the very first day in homeopathy school. And the person leading it said, we're going to talk about all these different situations over the next few years. We're going to learn about the mind body connection. We're going to learn about nutritional deficiencies and the implications for those in our health and well-being. We're going to learn about vaccine injury. And I raised my hand and said, you know, what are you talking about? Vaccines are the greatest invention of um, mankind. And, um, and he said, well, that's one perspective. We're going to learn another. And um, after that, after that session, he handed me a book essentially and said, you know, read this book. And I read the book and there were over 900 footnotes to mainstream medical literature and newspapers documenting a whole spectrum of vaccine injury that I didn't know existed. And that was the impetus behind me actually making a documentary film on vaccines called The Greater Good. So that kind of launched me into my, you know, those, that, that kind of strange intersection of circumstances launched me into the whole health freedom arena. It's, it's really fascinating. So you talked about the, you mentioned this little pill. What, what, what are you talking about there? Because to me, homeopathy, I would think no pills. So what, what was that about? Well, it's a little tiny sugar pill. Have you ever heard of Arnica? Yes. So people put Arnica cream on bruises and things. That's a homeopathic um, solution. So basically they put homeopathic drops in the cream, mix it up and you put it on. Um, that was actually my introduction to homeopathy. I was living in London. I'd gone skiing and I, someone had crashed into me and I had a huge bruise on my thigh for a month. It wouldn't go away. And I couldn't understand why. And I thought, well, I'll just, I went into the local drugstore and I thought, I'm just going to try this stuff out and see what happens. So right before bed, I painted, you know, just smeared about a quarter of it with Arnica cream. And when I woke up at six o'clock in the morning, so I put it on at 10 o'clock at night, I wake up at 6 a.m., the skin is totally white, totally normal. <laughs> and the rest, it looked like Pac-Man had taken a bite. The rest was still eggplant purple where I'd oh been my hit. Gosh. So I did the same thing the next day and I was like, wow, there is something to this. And so my son was actually really sick with a really bad sore throat. We took him to the pediatrician. He was about a year old. He was crying. Um, when the pediatrician looked in the back of his mouth, he said he's got ulcers in the back of his mouth. And I was like, now I know what to give him. This is in homeopathy school. And so I took him home and um, I gave him a remedy literally made from mercury, but it's so diluted that there's nothing 
there's no toxicity or anything. There's just like an imprint of the healing aspects of it in there. And you know how they say the dose makes the poison? I'm sure you've heard that saying before. Yeah. Well, a homeopathic pill is just a little sugar pill with the dilution added to it. So there's just like a drop on a pill. And you, I okay. put that in my son's mouth and literally he had been crying for three days. He opened his eyes. He was one years old and looked around like what just happened. My husband and I were standing there in disbelief at the impact on him. So don't tell me it's a placebo because the impact it had on him and there was no more fever. There was no more crying. He healed and it went away. See, now this is where I think people go, okay, this sounds this sounds too good to be true. This sounds a little cray cray. I'm not yeah. sure I believe in this. Mm -hmm. And, and, but when we come back from this quick break, I want you to explain why if homeopathy is so effective, why have they tried to get rid of it in both the UK and the United States? That is next. All right. So that dark spot on your face, is that still bothering you? What about the liver spots on your hands? your chest, your neck. Now you can watch them disappear safely and quickly in three minutes. Introducing the Genucel Dark Spot Corrector three-step, three-minute dark spot luxury system. And it does exactly what it sounds like. By using their Cristal's world-famous microdermabrasion before the dark spot corrector and finishing with a touch of the collagen-building Genucel XV, you'll see the dark spots disappear before your very eyes instantly, smoothly, and best of all, luxuriously. So what you're watching on the screen right now are real results in just a couple of minutes. I mean, it's really quite something, but don't take my word for it. If you're not blown away with the results, you get 100% of your money back, no questions asked, free shipping, free returns. So go to genucell.com slash Michelle, order the new dark spot treatment system today and say goodbye to those pesky spots tomorrow. That's genucell, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Michelle. But there's more. All three products are included in Genucel's most popular package for the month of August. So you get your Genucel bags and puffiness serum also included all for 70% off. Experience the luxury and effectiveness of Genucel. Order now and watch the dark spots disappear in three minutes. 70% off while supplies last. Don't waste any time. Genucel.com slash Michelle. Genucel.com slash Michelle with one L. Genucel.com slash M-I-C-H-E-L-E. -E. Now more with Leslie Manoukian. All right. So how do you explain this desire to get rid of home, homeopathic hospitals? Homeopathy in general is bad mouth. What, what's going on there? It's been an, a concerted campaign for more than a hundred years to deride, demean, smear, and hopefully eradicate any competitors to pharmaceutical-based um, medication. And it started in um, in the early 1900s. There was a, a report commissioned by John D. Rockefeller and um, I think it was Andrew Carnegie. It was called the Flexner Report, and it was submitted to Congress in 1910. And it called for the standardization and licensure of all medical schools, which on the face sounds like a good idea. But what they did was they put those in place um, and then they starved all of the other healing modalities of any kind of funding. They gave all their funds. Remember, John D. Rockefeller was an oil man, chemicals. Chemicals is what he was trying to figure out how they could use those for medicines. And so you can't make money off of homeopathy. It's 
um, you can only patent man-made substances. So you have to take something in nature, refine it and patent it. You cannot patent a flower or um, mm-hmm. an herb or something like that. And so there was no money in it. So they basically created all these hurdles to all the other healing modalities in order to drive them out of business. And then they orchestrated a major smear campaign to get rid of them. The chiropractic industry ultimately sued and fought back and was able to stake their claim and and push back and actually won. But most of the other healing modalities weren't able to kind of mount such a good defense. And so they were driven out of business, not because they weren't effective. um, And I wouldn't say they were driven out of business, but they were certainly driven out of the public consciousness um, and, and yeah, people view them as snake oil salesmen rather than the people who really were snake oil, snake oil salesmen. Rockefeller's actual, I believe it was his father or his grandfather was a true snake oil salesman. He literally <laughs> sold, sold petrochemicals. He had two families, you know, he lived a double life and he went around selling this garbage that made people sick. Um, and that's where they came up with the idea of calling people quacks and snake oil salesmen. So anyway, it was literally an orchestrated campaign because I believe it's the biggest threat that exists to the pharmaceutical based approach to medicine. It's cheap. It's effective. It actually addresses and um, helps to eradicate chronic conditions, which mainstream medicine cannot do. It's non-toxic. It's non-habit forming. You can use it at home. You can give it to babies. You can give it to pregnant women. No issues at all. It's not toxic, but it's a threat because it actually works. It's it's a fascinating topic. So you go and you begin this uh, this course of learning in homeopathy, and you're given this book about vaccine injuries. And as you said, it's very detailed. This is now, of course, an extremely hot topic. <laughs> and with the COVID-19 vaccines, which they're starting to say, you know, it's time to get that booster. And I- I'm done with them uh, because I've met some of the vaccine injured. And it's 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 awful what some of these people are enduring because the vaccine. Now, you don't know if you're going to be impacted or not. Right. This is not to say that everyone is impacted. But do you want to take that chance? And I've decided I don't want to. Um, so Nike mandated that its employees get vaccinated and you're involved with a lawsuit against Nike. And I know there've been some developments. So first of all, just what is the sort of overview of this, this lawsuit? Yeah. So Nike, along with many other American corporations mandated COVID shots the first time in their history that they've ever mandated a vaccine for their employees. Um, There are very strong protections in place, liberty protections and privacy protections. And yet they just tossed all of those to the wind, essentially, and followed the um, edicts of the federal government. And so what happened was Nike, even though they already knew that the shots didn't stop transmission or infection, mandated the shots for their employees. And um, they ultimately fired employees who they they refused to grant religious and medical accommodations to. So we are suing them for damages in order to send a you know warning shot across the bow of all of corporate America that you cannot violate their your employees' constitutional rights, that your employees are not disposable, that you can't just disregard their medical or religious um their medical needs and their religious beliefs, because that's exactly what Nike and lots of corporate America did. Well, Nike tried to get this suit dis- this lawsuit dismissed. And it, it wasn't successful. Where do things stand right now? 
Yeah. So, you know, it's very, very um, common for um, any defendant to try and get, especially corporations, to try and get lawsuits dismissed because it's the easiest way to make them go away. Um, and that's what they want. They don't want you to look at their communications through the, the discovery process. They don't want you to be able to depose their executives, which is what we'll do. They don't want you to be able to, um, um, you know, force them to litigate their actions. So what happened was Nike attempted to get the case dismissed and, um, and they were unsuccessful. We had three claims. We won on two of those claims, which means now that we can pursue and, um, uh, a claim under the Americans with Disabilities Act for a woman who has an autoimmune condition and requested an accommodation and they refused it and actually fired her while she was already on approved medical leave. Isn't that outrageous? Yeah. And then we have two other claims um, under the Civil Rights Act, Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, um, which protects your right to religious accommodation for your religious beliefs. And what's really important about this is that the Supreme Court just ruled in the last two months upholding religious rights for employees very, very clearly. In fact, in a, in a case called Groff, G-R-O-F-F, they just held that an employer can't must accommodate an employee's religious beliefs and practices unless it causes a substantial increase in the operation, in the cost of operation of that business. Well, Nike employees were not going to, you know, choosing or, or requesting an accommodation was not going to increase Nike's operating costs substantially, not even at all. These employees offered to work from home. They offered to test, they offered to, to do whatever Nike wanted and Nike just unilaterally, unilaterally refused. One of these people, I mean, it is, it is heartbreaking, Michelle, but one of these people was the sole breadwinner for her family. She has young children. She requested it and was denied twice a religious exemption, a religious accommodation. Finally, because Nike said that um, the punishment for refusing to oblige their mandate was termination, up to termination, she relented and she got the shot and she suffered a severe autoimmune reaction and had to leave Nike as a result of it. Yeah. People are real. It's so sad. It's heartbreaking. The fact that authorities deny this just blows my mind. It is It is mind-boggling. The What fear did to us during COVID is is a remarkable case study now. I mean, I think it's a an, an epic case study of what people are willing to do when they're so afraid and when they're when they're badgered, when they're absolutely badgered and com- and compelled to do things they don't want to do. It, it, which brings me to this as well because thanks to you and your organization, we don't have to mask up on airplanes anymore. And I, I remember so clearly when this happened because I travel constantly. And particularly during COVID, I was covering the NFL. We had to mask up in stadiums. We had to mask up on planes. There weren't that many people traveling. Uh, it was, it was, you know, it was just awful and weird. So I remember when this happened. Why don't you take us through how you became part of this case to get these mask mandates dropped on airplanes. Yeah. Well, let me just say, so I, you know, I made this documentary. Ultimately I learned about the whole vaccine issue and then I made the documentary, the greater good, which you can see at greatergoodmovie.org on vaccines. And it won awards. In fact, it even won an award from the um, university of Alabama at Birmingham school of public health. 
Wow. On the sidewalk. Yeah. We felt that was a pretty exciting accolade for us. Um, so we were thrilled about that. And, um, we, um, you know, as I mentioned, it launched me into the health freedom space. And so when 2020 unfolded, I've been doing research on this stuff now for 20 years. And I knew from the very beginning that they were going to use this crisis as a opportunity to remove more rights. People's rights have been under attack for more than a decade and people just don't know it. And, um, what's ended up happening is that, um, this has been going on in California and New York. You saw that religious exemptions were actually removed for school children in the fall, summer and fall of 2019, summer and fall of 2019. And they ran these things through by suspending the rules in their own assemblies in California and New York. So when 2020 unfolded, I knew I had to do something that this was the big one was coming. And, um, I decided I would start health freedom defense fund. And because I'd been researching state laws and federal law with respect to health issues for a very long time, I knew that CDC didn't have the authority to actually tell us what to do with our health. And so I started talking to our legal team. I started health freedom defense fund. And then I started talking to our legal team and I'm like, CDC can't do this. Health laws are state laws. This is why CDC can only recommend vaccines, but cannot mandate them. And so we discussed, our attorney started looking into the law and they were like, you know what? You're right. You're right. And so we filed suit in July of 2021, um, challenging CDC's mask order, which required that any traveler on a bus, train, plane, um, any kind of conveyance had to mask, even though they weren't even suspected of being sick. And we won. Basically, every single argument that we made, the judge agreed with. And so April 18th of 2022, she struck down the federal travel mask mandate. And um, let's just say we had, you know, <laughs> that was received very positively across the country. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'll, I just I remember it so vividly. And then I remember going into the airport the next time. And, you know, some people are, of course, going to choose to continue to wear masks. That makes them feel more comfortable. They're they that's their choice, right? We're not going to make fun of them or whatever. But I just remember sitting on the plane and everyone was in in a better mood. Now I've got, listen, I've got anecdotal evidence up the wazoo for how people responded on planes when they were masked up versus when they weren't. People were smiling at each other, talking again, conversations. It was, it was a vast difference in the way that people comported themselves in the airport and on the airplanes. And I remember that I think it was the, obviously it was the Biden administration threatened to counter sue or to get this overturned or whatever. And I, and I remember posting on Twitter, then Twitter, there's no way you're getting this overturned. There is no way people are way too happy and you will be met with an onslaught of, of, you know, just a clamoring from the public. Uh, so I just, I'm so grateful that you took this on and that you got it done because it, well, it, before we finish with this mask topic, I mean, it, it, this whole masking thing is so strange to me because it started off as Dr. Fauci saying, you don't need to mask. Then you do need to mask. Then you'll be okay if you just put a kind of a scarf around your face. Then you need two masks. And now I'm going to wear three masks. And now some masks work and some masks don't. In the rearview mirror now, Leslie, what, when you look at this, what the hell was going on? 
That's a really deep question, honestly, Michelle. <laughs> That's not a... So listen, CDC knew darn well in May of 2020 that masks didn't do anything. In fact, there was a Washington Post article posted in, I think it was March or April of 2020, sometime early in 2020. And the article was, um, the headline of the article was, um, they used masks in 1918. They didn't work. Okay. In May of 2020, CDC published its own study using a review of 14 randomized controlled trials, evaluating the impact of masking and other measures. And you know what they concluded? They don't work. So why were they lying to the American public? I would argue that it's, you know, you talked about how painful it was, how quiet people were, how isolated and separated they are. Well, people were human and human beings need interaction. We need contact. We need to see the smiles on other people's faces. We need to be in proximity with one another. Think about, you know, they say people who have, who don't have a spouse don't live as long because they don't get human contact. They don't get hugs and kisses. And I think that the masks were a way to actually condition us into sub submission to some extent. And that's why I say it's very dark and very deep. I don't think it was ever about the science. I think it was about getting us to submit to more fear mongering and more shots um, there are people, they're now trying to push an eighth dose, an eighth dose of these things. And I don't think it's any surprise that they're now trying to talk about mask mandates again. Have you seen the latest reports yeah. in the last week yeah. that they're going to try and push them again? And um, I mean, it's just crazy, but I think it's because it has a huge psychological and emotional it's impact. No on question. It. There's it, no it, doubt that school schools say generally, I mean, I have friends who are on boards of schools that the kids are two years behind. It, it, it was, it was awful, awful, awful. And to see two-year-olds struggling with masks on airplanes or at preschool was enough to make your, you want to cry. Um, so when you see these new sort of threats, if you will, of mask mandates coming back to a school near you, how will your organization respond, if at all? Do you see some involvement in this? Well, here's the thing. So um, the 11th Circuit just dismissed our case as moot. Okay. The Biden administration rescinded all their executive emer emergency orders in May in order, I believe, in a very cynical move to try and get the courts to dismiss the cases rather than adjudicating the constitutionality of these things. So many cases have been dismissed across the country on the basis of mootness. And one of them was our mass case. The 11th Circuit sent an order to the district judge who, um, you know, that we won in front of ordering her to vacate her ruling and dismiss the case as moot. So that's happened. That said, the merits of our case were not overturned. Okay. The merits of our case have never been challenged. Um, CDC was appealing because they wanted the power and authority to continue this. And we argued that CDC was attempting to do something called, um, or repeating something while evading review. They were appealing because they wanted the power to continue. Um, we argued against the mootness argument because CDC wants to be able to do this and the, the court should still adjudicate whether or not it was legal. But they took the easy way out and they dismissed the case. So if CDC does this again, we will file again and we will file in the same court and it will be referred to that same judge and we will take them down again. We will just need people's support to do so. Well, and I was going to ask you that before I let you go. I'm sure people listening to this are wanting to support. How do they help? 
Yeah. So you can go to healthfreedomdefense.org. You can sign up for our newsletter, which is free and we don't bombard people and we never sell anybody's names or anything like that. We only um, uh, send out emails once every two weeks or so. Um, you could become a member for $10 and you can also donate to Health Freedom Defense Fund in general, or if you want to donate to a specific case, which is ongoing, like our case against Nike, we have another one against Disney. <laughs> Another big case against Disney. If you want to, um, you know, support those cases, we have a huge case against the Los Angeles Unified School District. They are still to this day mandating the shot for employees and still displacing employees who refuse, firing people. They're losing their pensions. They're losing their lives. So you can actually support those individual cases by going to the um, case page under legal corner. I'm going to promote the heck out of this page uh, because I, I think that so many people need to know that this stuff is still going on. I, I didn't, I'm so glad you're suing the LA Unified School District. I, it, ah, I hear that term growing up in Southern California. My mom was a public school teacher and my skin crawls. So uh, more power to you. I, I felt sure that Nike wasn't the only case that you were adjudicating, that you were litigating. I, knew, I had to believe that there were plenty uh, it's such important work you're doing, and I'm so glad you took the time to share it with us. And we will follow up with you because we'd love to talk again as these cases progress and as you continue to see victories in court. Thank you so much, Michelle. Really appreciate thank your Lee. time today. Leslie, thank you so much. We've posted for you folks the, the address there on the page, on the on the screen. You can see it, and we will follow all our handles, and we will forward you to the correct spot so you can help Leslie do what we hope people will do every single day, which is be brave and do good. And we will see you next time.